Welcome to American Influencer Real Talk. I'm Christopher Krellen, CEO of the American Influencer Association. We are honored to have Bob the Drag Queen on today's show. Bob shares his extraordinary career from winning RuPaul's Drag Race to changing lives on HBO's Emmy-nominated show, We're Here. And now, here's our host, Josh Skinner. Hi, it's Josh Skinner, and welcome to American Influencer Real Talk. We have an incredible guest on today's show. It's Bob the Drag Queen. Hey, Bob, how are you? I'm great. I'm, re- I'm in a really good mood. How are you today? I'm in a good mood, too, so hopefully this will be an incredible interview. Um, first of all, I just want to say I spent the week uh, really diving into your career, and congratulations, first of all, on winning RuPaul's Drag Race. How was that experience like? Well, it was... Um like an amalgamation of like all of my drag up to that point and I started drag because of RuPaul's Drag Race so getting a chance to like compete on the show and win the show was truly like it felt very next level it was kind of like oh wow this is it was a let's say it was very affirming you know I've, I, a few times I've heard you say that you know drag has saved your life can you expand on that just a little bit well I mean I was definitely in a dark path not knowing where I was going and I got a real sense of community from being around people who were like me or people who I didn't even know I was like until they explained themselves to me that was probably one of the biggest revelations of finding out I was like people I didn't even know I was like that was kind of wild to me I hadn't met anyone who identified as non-binary or anyone who identified as um, even the word queer was foreign to me. Well, did you feel when you were surrounded by the people that uh, shared your same interests? I, don't know, I think it's still a process happening to this day. I mean, I don't want to create this false uh, image that I am the world's most confident person. I mean, I certainly have confidence in the things that I know I'm good at, which is, has really been able to help me a lot in life. Is like zoning in on the things I am good at and making that my focus as opposed to hating myself for what I'm not good at. How have you evolved since winning RuPaul's Drag Race? Oh, wow. I mean, I won Drag Race in 2016, yeah. I want to say. Um, I, I, there's, a, there's a small chance that I'm quoted that that's not the right number. But um, it is now 2020, and I think that, like, not just I've changed, but, like, the world has changed. And even though I was really socially conscious then, uh, it's definitely um, been amped up a lot now. I've been kind of more aware of, like, the fact that there are, like, these eyes on me. It was kind of how I felt, like, the first time I took the train in drag. I first got in the train, and then I realized, oh, my God, everyone was looking at me because I was in drag. And I was like, now that I have, then I realized this will is a lot of power. I get a lot of people's attention. I better say something important now that everyone's listening. And um, now that I'm, like, on this international drag level um, and, like, considered a celebrity by some people, it's amped up even more. So now there are even more people listening because I was on TV. So now I'm like, if all these folks are listening to me, I really want to be saying something poignant. Speaking of saying something, I you had a hater hate on you, and you called him out in Scotland. Um, what was that experience like? Because I felt like it was a very teachable moment. Well, it was interesting. I always wanted to have a chat with someone who, like, outwardly hated someone. Like, it, it seemed like such a weird thing to do. Not, and by the way, and I want to be clear, when I say hater... I don't mean like someone who's like, I don't like your outfit. It was someone who had some 
I don't know what words we can say on this pod, on this podcast, but let's just say particularly unsavory words. See you next um, Tuesday. I'll say it. See yeah, you next exactly. Tuesday. Yeah. To describe me and and uh, my essence and my everything, and I was like, wow, this person really really feels strongly about me. I wonder what that's about. I wonder what's at the, what's at the base of that. Um, and as I got to talk to them, I realized that I mean something that I knew even before. I was like, well, this obviously has nothing. Like a person feeling this way about a complete stranger, it really has less to do with the person um, they're talking about than does the person doing the talking. Do negative comments online ever bother you? Yeah, sometimes for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm, uh, you know, drag queens are a lot like human beings, so I have a lot of the emotions that a human would have. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, sometimes there are things that people can say that will that will bother me. But I also probably the best advice I ever got in life was um, simply the words "consider the source." Like, consider the source. You know what I mean? Um, so if someone's giving you an opinion about your drag or something about my drag, I'm kind of like, well, I probably know probably more of an expert in the field than they are. So I can trust my own opinions on this. And if it is something that someone's saying, like, that's clearly meant intentionally to hurt my feelings, then they're probably coming from a place of hurt that has practically nothing to do with me. How do you think you've been able to influence over the last four years? Well, it's weird. I don't know that I ever really considered myself an influencer until maybe other people started saying it. I was like, yeah, I guess. I guess I am. You are. Um, I know that representation matters, and I know that uh, for me, a big part of what influenced me was seeing people like myself on TV being praised for all the things that I was told were negative attributes. So imagine you're, you're watching someone on TV being praised for everything you were told was something negative about you. And like how much that can truly help your your essence. Like watching someone on TV who's black and queer and femme and and someone's being someone's telling you these are all actually great qualities. It sounds very healing. Yeah, I have to say the least. And I never say I never say the least. <laughs> <laughs> well, let's talk about your new show on HBO, on HBO Max. It's called We're Here, and you go to small towns, and you put on a one-night drag show. And what I thought was so fascinating is that you really broke down the barrier of um, sexuality. You know, you ha every episode you have people from all walks of life, including heterosexual, masculine men, full-out drag. What was that experience like? Well, I was actually glad, because I think some people think that the show is one of those, like, queers go and fix straight people's lives. It is not. And I'm really proud of it. That. There are um, straight people on the show, as well as um, uh, queers, um, and then also people from also gender as well. And I'm just so proud that our show has such amazing representation. Um, but also, I mean, I've been doing drag for a while. Not like forever, but like 11 years. And I guess that's something, you know what I mean? So, it, uh, We're Here wasn't my first time seeing, like, you know, straight guys doing drag. Um, I was more touched by the the queer people who were, we were allowed to amplify their voices for them in these towns. I just want to touch on episode three really quick when you're in Branson, Missouri. Uh, I mean, first of all, I cried in every episode. This, If you haven't seen it, audience, you need to... Uh, watch all six episodes immediately, and congratulations on season two. Um, so yeah, you're in... you have allergies, so your eyes watering. It will happen during. Oh man, no! I was like full on. I was ugly cry Oprah. Like I was just. It every episode just was so moving. Um, so take me to Branson, Missouri, really quick, and you're interacting with Tanner, whose mom is not a born again Christian, but he is. He has a sibling who's also gay, and he was a non-practicing homosexual because of his faith. What was that like interacting with him? Well, it was interesting to have. It was 
reverse. It was such a reverse of the story we're used to hearing. Right. You know what I mean? And it was also interesting because um, this woman had two queer kids, and she loved them so much. And I was like, this is what like so many queer kids want. Like what you have is what so many queer kids want, which is a mom who tells you it's okay to be you. Okay, he loved, but what was hard about it was that he had it the worst because he wasn't getting love from the most important place that there is to get love from, which is from yourself. I know that sounds so cheesy, but it really is true. No, absolutely. Um, and you were so patient with him during that episode. Were, were, was it just a lesson in listening, or I, was, I just felt like the audience could learn so much from you? What was going through your mind? Well, as I said in the show, I mean, ex-gay um, things are like a part of my family. I mean... So it wasn't my first time hearing about someone who was struggling with their queerness um, in religion. So I kind of felt well-equipped to deal with such a topic, you know? Are you excited about season two? Insanely. Like, that's not even a question. I'm so, I'm so excited about season two. Do you guys have a start date yet? We do not. I mean, everything with COVID is still so up in the air. So we're just playing it by ear right now. Awesome. Okay, I have just two quick questions for you. Can you just please remind our? I love um, your. I love your activism on online and your social media present. Can you just remind our influencers why it is so important to continue Black Lives Matter? Well, I think that the momentum that we're having. Let's just put it this way: like the the fact that Black Lives Matter is picking up, like the move that's picking up now, is really amazing and it's really beautiful. But the uh, to undo the four hundred and fifty some odd years of oppression in America against black people is going to take a lot more than two weeks of marching right. and two weeks of like saying, you know, hear our voices. Think about. I was. I think I was thinking about the fact that we won't even we won't even be alive long enough for black people to be free in this country as long as they were enslaved in this country. And that all has to be undone. Like I, I think about it this way: America. I think people think of America as like I, I'd say like America. Is Itself wasn't necessarily built so that people who aren't who don't fit the the the, the norm of like straight white male to thrive. That's not how America was built. It wasn't built. So we have to really restructure the whole thing in order for people to thrive in this environment. And I think you're you are setting up people to thrive and to think differently. I really appreciate everything that you're doing and how you're contributing. Oh, that's so nice. I mean, I, I certainly hope so. I, I, I would think, think of America as like a pair of skinny jeans for like a really skinny white girl. <laughs> and it'll fit her. She'll fit really well in those jeans. But not everyone, and you don't, it's not just enough to be like, yeah, I'm going to give these fans to this, you know, other person who can't fit into these jeans. You have to really restructure the entire gene so that other people can fit into it as well. You need to give America a makeover. Exactly. <laughs> how, how did you I come up with the the name Bob the Drag Queen? Well, it was really just irreverent um, and like a kind of like haha to like how seriously some people take themselves in drag, which I take drag really seriously, but I'm not super serious about like the the nuances of it. I mean, I, it's oddly enough, I'm really serious about being really funny. Mm-hmm. Um, but I am able to see the levity and, and joy in life and able to take things and turn them on their head, which is what drag itself does. How, um, like if I wanted to find my inner drag queen name, like how, how would I, do you have any tips? How, how do I do that? <laughs> well, drag names are so interesting. There's so many options for what you can do to have like a drag name. I mean, my first drag name was not Bob the Drag Queen. I actually was, um, hit with a whip for like three years. I love your whip. And then... And then, yeah, kidding with a whip, like the old Anne Margaret. And then one day I just decided, you know, I think I want to change my name to Bob. I told my friends, and they all assured me that it was a horrible idea, a terrible name. And then I was like, well, now I have to do it because you told me I can't. <laughs> Which is very me, I will admit. 
So any tips on how I could find my my drag name? Well, there's lots of different ways that, that people say. There's like taking, um, there's like, so the way that drag names work, there's no rules around drag names. I want to point that out. But there's some things that you would do. There's like a, a feminine version of your name that already exists. Okay. And there's also like the old, your your um, first pet in your in your street, in your, like the first street you were raised on. Oh, no. That's... There's so many different things that people have done. I, I can't do that. My name would be Squeaker's Queenside. <laughs> that's a great name. Squeaker's Queenside. I don't see what's wrong with that. Oh, did I just get crowned? <laughs> yeah, Squeaker's Queenside. There it is. So, yeah. Welcome to the stage, Miss Squeaker's Queenside. I, well, if we meet, you better give me some feathers when I get all dressed up in drag. <laughs> yeah, I would say the three most popular versions of drag names are like a feminine version of your name that exists. Everything play on words like head of lettuce or Mimi I first. And then there's like really opulent names like uh, Manuela Dupree Valenciaga. Like the old Hollywood type name. Well, what's next for you? What are you excited about? Well, squeakers. Um, I'm really excited about. Um, I've been doing a lot of writing lately, which has been really speaking to me. Uh, I'm, I'm really looking at the opportunity to produce work. Like, I really want to be able to like create opportunities for other queers, especially black queers. Yeah. Um, to have their voices heard. I want to uplift voices. My voice is an uplift, and I want to give that opportunity to uplift some of the voices as well. Have you ever thought about doing, like, a makeup line? I've thought about it. I've considered it before. I want to do a makeup line for, like, dark skin. Yeah. Because um, I know how hard it was for me to find makeup and, like, find the brand that I like. Um, so I've, 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 I've considered it. I have. Do you have any tips for me? Oh, uh, I was going to ask. Well, I can connect you with some people, but uh, do you have any beauty tips that you can leave our listeners with? I'm really bad at beauty tips like i wash my face with hotel shampoo like people like people are always like i cannot believe that you aren't broken out all the time i just got really lucky and i don't have a lot of skin problems and i wash my face with baby shampoo when i'm at home I and i'm not that. at home i wash it with hotel shampoo which is horrible i know that's so bad well then let's switch the question up a little bit what's the biggest beauty blunder that you see people making all the time and you as an expert drag queen are just like you gotta fix that well i think that a lot of times are taking um, like things that work for other people and just naturally assume it'll work for them without consideration to how different their faces are or how different like everything is, like your skin color, your face, your hair texture, all that stuff. So I think the answer really is you have to just keep playing in the makeup instead of just copying what you see one person do. Maybe copy what you see a lot of people do and then over time you'll end up taking a little bit of this eyebrow from here, this eyelash from there, this wing liner from here, this lipstick, this lipstick from there, and you'll end up with something really unique in the end. Who makes your favorite lipstick? I use a lot of Anastasia Beverly Hills. Oh, good choice. And I use a lot of Nice. Now, if our listeners want to find out more information or if they want to follow you, where should we direct them? Well, actually, after you this, my favorite lipstick itself is called um, Velvet Teddy from MAC. Ooh. And then, I, and then I also love her lip gloss bloodline from Anastasia Berlin. I oh, love that. No, what was the next question? I have to go back and ask that question. Oh, no, no, sorry. Um, That's really, that's good. That's good advice. Uh, the question is, so Bob, if our listeners want to follow your career, where should we direct them? Oh, please go to bobthedragme.com and like basically all of my stuff is right there. I don't know what those websites anymore. If you go to bobthedragme.com, you will have a great um, all-encompassing view of my uh, my work. Well, again, um, like from the deepest part of me, Bob, I just want you to know, like, I was so inspired by your story this week and everything that you said on We're Here really resonated with me. And I, I'm just really honored to interview you and share your story with our, our listening audience. So thank you for being on American Influencer Real Talk. I really appreciate it. My pleasure. Thank you so much.
much. Thanks for having me. Awesome. Well, thanks for being on the show. And don't forget to go to BobTheDragQueen.com and don't forget to listen to next week's episode. Thanks, Bob. Thanks for listening to our conversation with Bob the Drag Queen. You can keep up with our latest episode of our podcast by visiting us at AIAawards.com and by subscribing to our show on your favorite podcast platform. The American Influencer Real Talk is produced by Christopher Krellin, Bethany Krellin, Josh Skinner, and it's edited and produced by Michael Sykes. Original music composed by at Joshua Hendricks Music. And now here's our CMO, Bethany Krellin. Hey, it's Bethany Krellin. Thank you for listening to the American Influencer Real Talk. We hope you enjoyed. We are so passionate about all of you, our fans. We want you to be part of the AIA family. You can check out our beauty bundle, which supports our influencer community at AIAawards.com. Want to be a guest on the Real Talk? Send us a message on social. We can't wait to stay connected with you all and don't miss the next episode next week.